every American citizen must have an equal right to vote. The administration of elections is primarily a state and local responsibility. Whether you voted for the very first time or waited in line for a very long time, by the way, we have to fix that. Welcome to High Turnout Wide Margins. This is Brianna Lennon. I'm the County Clerk in Boone County, Missouri, and with me is my co-host. Eric Fay, Director of Elections in St. Louis County. And today we are really excited to have Neil Kelly from Orange County, California, and he's going to be talking to us about all things California. So first, thanks for being here. We really appreciate it. Yeah, happy to do it. Thanks for inviting me. So how did you get your start in elections? How did you end up in this space? Very bizarre story. So a long time ago in the mid 80s, I was a police officer here in California and uh, I was looking for ways to get out of that profession very quickly, even though I was in it for four years and, and I ended up buying into a very small company at the time I was getting married and that was in 1989. And I grew that company over 15, 16 years into a multi-store chain, um, kind of like Ritz camera. If you remember back in the day when one hour photo was around and, you know, commercial photo labs, I was in that business and retail photo and uh, ended up with quite a few employees. And I sold that company in 99, 2000 to Wolf Camera, which was a national firm. And I thought, you know, I was going to be on easy street. My kids were young and I could take time off and I learned how to fly, which I did. I got my pilot's license. And uh, before I had sold my company, I got my MBA at USC, did a lot of different things, ran for public office. And then about a year and a half later, the company filed bankruptcy. And that was when digital was making this transition. And here suddenly I was in a job market that I hadn't been in for 18 years, 17 years. And to make a long story short, uh, Orange County had launched their voting system after HAVA in 2004 and had a lot of problems. And so the county was looking for someone from the outside to come in at a deputy level to help right size and stabilize the organization. And I, through circumstance, ended up applying for that job. Three and a half, four months later, I was hired and came in with this sort of wealth of experience that the county needed at the time. And never would have thought I'd be in elections. I mean, if you had asked me a year and a half before that, would you be in elect? I just think it was crazy. And about a year after I joined, maybe less than a year, my predecessor was removed from office for ethics violations and lots of other issues. And, and there I was. And so here I am now, 18 years later in this job. It's just been crazy. This whole ride has been crazy. So if you could go back in time and advise yourself on what to do 18, 20 years ago, would you suggest to yourself to get in the elections business? <laughs> Not at the time. Now, I remember going home, I think a day or two after I had joined the department and I told my wife, I said, what the hell did I do? <laughs> I just, you know, but it gets in your blood, you know, and, and if it does get in your blood, then you just grab onto it. And I really have enjoyed the ride as much as it's been up and down because elections, you know, preaching to the choir are, you know, they're taxing, I think, on your, your health and your life and all kinds of things. But it was just really enjoyable to dive in and really transform this agency, which to the credit of my team that I've got today, we have completely turned this around and, and I think really made it a showcase for elections across the country. And I guess my advice to answer your question specifically is, I would probably say steer clear, 
but having gone through the experience, I wouldn't do it any other way. As you've been in this position for so long and you started with, you know, the first transition into HAVA, what were some of the things that you made intentional changes on to kind of reform and make it a better place? Well, I mean, the first thing was to provide stability and organization to an operation that was lacking leadership and just all kinds of issues. So the first was sort of an internal look and review and reconfiguration. And then the next was, which was just so strange, right? I mean, after the county made this jump very quickly into electronic voting without a paper trail, suddenly now you had people that were fighting against you know, the electronic system. And so I had to rebuild relationships with our community. I had to rebuild relationships with advocacy groups and um, go down that path of just starting over. And so it was really a wholesale change. I mean, it's hard to tell you exactly like these are the specific things. Although I have put that in a report I can send you, but it, it was just a number of different things, logistics, communication, just transforming the way we hired people, transforming the way we recruited volunteers, just top to bottom, toward apart. And then as I started getting into this, I realized that the voter experience was something that was not being focused on. And that was really missing in this equation. I mean, it was like we were setting up this giant, horrible DMV every time we, we took people to go vote. And it was not what I wanted. I came from a customer service you know, experience background. And so that took years, by the way, to kind of transform that. I love that analogy about the DMV. I have had and have a very similar feeling about the voter experience. And, you know, you, uh, you plan for months and months, as you know, and then you put kind of the whole election in the hands of these essentially volunteers. And the experience can be very disparate across your jurisdiction as to, as to what happens. And you hope for the best. Exactly. So what have you done in Orange County to deal with that? I mean, obviously, state law is one thing. California has done some things in state law. Um, a lot more people voting by mail now, obviously. But I guess more specifically, again, your jurisdiction, what have you done in that regard? Well, I'll tell you very specifically, I was president of our statewide association in 2014. And keep in mind, that was 10 years after I started here. So I was still managing this electronic system that was aging and falling apart. And I was, you know working at the federal and state level, trying to make sure that we could keep band-aids and hope on that system to keep it running. But I realized that this was not the way we should be operating. And I was in Sacramento at the time, and then State Senator Alex Padilla was running for Secretary of State in California. And he pulled me aside as the president of our association. He said, what's the one thing that's driving you nuts? And I said, the voter experience. We have got to fix that. And he said, interesting, because that's on my mind as well. And I want to talk to you about the Colorado model, which is the vote center model. And he was elected secretary of state. And we just started hitting the ground running on working on what can we do to transform this? And we did everything from visit Colorado and toured vote centers with the governor of Colorado to working with our governor here in California, Jerry Brown at the time and state senators and make a long story short, work on this vote center model that does three things, basically. It gets every voter in that county that's doing vote centers a vote-by-mail ballot. It allows them to vote at any location, and it extends the voting period from one day to an 11-day window. And really what you're doing is transforming this experience of, like you just pointed out, this kind of nightmare sometimes of hoping it all works, 
to this professionalized, I call it like a franchise style operation because everything is the same. The voter, if they go to a vote center in Anaheim or they go to Laguna Beach, they're going to get the exact same experience. And we got rid of our volunteer program. I love our volunteers, but we went to a hiring program and we now hire people for about a, a three-week window versus a, you know, a day. They train for four and a half days instead of three hours. I completely got rid of old technology and brought in new systems to be able to do everything from printing ballots to mailing ballots to receiving ballots. We do it end to end, full service. That platform can handle all 1.8 million registered voters if we had to go all vote by mail at any time. So it was transformative. I mean, you know, and answer your question. That, by the way, took from 14 to I just launched a new voting system with vote centers for the first time in the March primary in 2020. So that took six years to build out. We're the only California county that does everything end to end. And we're only one of 15 counties in California that currently has the vote center model. I get your office's emails and follow you on social media. And it's just fascinating to me. And I think I even asked you in person about it once that, you know, you control the all the printing of your ballots, the mailing, everything. And so many, it seems like the trend there is outsourcing. So one, what led you to go in that direction, hearing that no other county in California does it? And two, would you suggest it for other jurisdictions of varying sizes? Or do you have to have the kind of scale that you might have in your relatively large county? That's a really good question. I had a delegation come out a few days ago from Michigan, Pennsylvania, and Georgia. And they wanted to tour offices and ask the exact same question, Eric, that you just asked. And that is, you know, is it scalable up or down? Uh, and absolutely it is. I mean, the principles are there for control and for how we run the quality control system. It really is. But I will tell you that um, how I got into it was in 07, 08, you know, I was outsourcing to a vendor and was getting constant issues, wrong precinct, wrong ballot type, all kinds of problems. And, you know, the vendor doesn't answer to it, the county's answer to it. And so I just finally, I, and I was looking at other vendors and I finally said, why don't we do this in house? Now, here's one advantage we had, the county, and you guys may have this in your counties, the county had their own print shop, um, which print, you know, business cards and traffic citations and those kinds of things. So I partnered with them, it was under another agency to figure out how can we get you certified so that we can print ballots and we can control that process. And we did that and got state certified, went down this path of, ended up being the largest customer for that print shop. Um, and we, that by the way, you know, you're thanked for things that you do right in the different way. And that is my board said, hey, you print ballots, why don't you take over that shop? And so now we are in the print business in addition to running elections, which is kind of bizarre. But I've recently invested about $5 million more million into that operation and increased the technology. We now have one of the largest web inkjet print systems in Southern California. And so that end-to-end -end solution allows that full control. Now, would I recommend it to other jurisdictions? If you want that control and the ability to manage your quality and to get ahead of other printers and to get your statute, you know, your deadline set, absolutely, I would recommend it. But the, the years lost on our lives, I don't know if it's worth it <laughs> because, you know, it took, it took several years to build that out. I mean, it just didn't happen overnight. 
One of the things that I'm always curious about is how other states manage their voter registrations. And with California being so large and your jurisdiction being such a big portion of it, are you managing your own system or is it still integrated in with the states or how does that work? Because, you know, occasionally you hear those things where, well, California never takes anybody off their rolls and all of that. If you're doing a vote by mail system, it obviously has to be a pretty tight process with voter registration updates. How does that work? One of the things to get to the politics of moving to vote centers, and I had an all Republican board at the time, was to, they were asking those very questions. How are you going to assure, ensure us that we're going to have clean rolls and we're not just sending a ballot, you know, out to, to everybody that shouldn't be getting one? And so I embarked on a third-party data system. Now, we're a, a bottom-up state, so the counties still input the data. We still sort of manage that process, but then we input it into a statewide system, and then the state manages that. But the state only does the minimal amount of voter list maintenance, like NCOA and you know some other things like that. And so I went and partnered with a company called Experian, which I'm sure you've heard of, which is a crediting rating system. And they provide data back to me on moves for people that have applied for apartments or have applied for mortgages. And so I'm able to update our records in ways that the state is not. And that has enabled us to reduce our undeliverable rate far below our neighboring counties, which that's one metric you can certainly measure, right? Are we hitting the right addresses? Now, that being said, with a statewide system, and I don't know how it is in Missouri, but when you lock the ballot file, you still have all this stuff churning in the background. And so you're mailing out ballots and you may have duplicates that are in that, that file. And then those, you know, people get three ballots, for instance, because the dupe hasn't been you know, merged yet. The optics of that are not good. <laughs> and so that's something we struggle with, but we have been able to do these other things that have improved our, our roles. I've heard you mention a thing about the using the credit agencies before, but I bet most election administrators don't know about that. Can you talk more about that? I mean, like, what does it cost? I mean, obviously it's very effective, it sounds like for you. How'd you find out about it? It is. And when I was in the private sector and I would do marketing mailings, you know, we used Experian all the time uh, and other companies like that to be able to to really drill down and do micro-targeting before micro-targeting was a thing. And so that's where I, I knew about it. And um, the way we do it is we send all of our data voter file to Experian. They scrub it. They send back hits on moves that we have not picked up on. And we only pay for the data where we have hits and it's about 11 12 cents a voter and i will tell you that just as an example we do it before every major election we budget about twenty five thousand dollars to run this data file and we end up saving in many cases you know 60 70 80 thousand dollars because we're not mailing out ballots to people where they shouldn't be going we we ended up canceling in this last cycle in 2020 about twenty five thousand voters that had moved out of orange county but we didn't pick up on NCOA. We didn't pick up on any other system. And we were able to cancel those voters because they moved out of state. And here's the other problem too. California's not in ERIC, even though we've tried to get, some of my colleagues and I have tried to get us into ERIC. And so I don't have some of that cross data ability from people moving to Arizona or Oregon, you know, states that surround us. So it's, it's been really helpful. The one thing I do want to add, people always hear Experian and credit and they freak out. I get less data back from them than I sell to political campaigns for voter data. So they're not getting social, they're not getting driver's license, they're only getting name and address. And I had to have a change in the law in California to allow us to even use it. 
Well, that's another interesting question to me is it sounds like your state association in California has a certain amount of influence there. I mean, that may not be the case in every state. Has there been anything in specific that you all in California has done as, as an association to have influence in what happens in Sacramento? Yeah, I think so. I mean, our, our, our association uh, does have a good relationship in many cases with the legislature. Uh, they listen to us. They, they do inquire, you know, for us. And we're at the table on a lot of these things. We've done things related to, especially in COVID, and how voting was going to look for voters in California in the fall. Um, we started those conversations back in April and May with the leadership and the governor's office. Um, and so we, we have had our hand in that. There certainly have been times that we have had bills shoved down our throat like everybody else. And, you know, we adapt and we move forward. But I, I do think we have that good relationship. Those are my main questions. I Now my questions are more. Like one thing that's burning in my mind, what was the deal with those uh, ballot drop boxes that political parties put up? How did that end up? For people that are listening, might not know what that was. I was minding my own business on a Sunday, working at home on my computer, and I got a tweet from somebody that was had their ballot in front of a filing cabinet. And it was a, a, a piece of paper that was taped to it and said, official ballot drop box. And then the world exploded. I mean, I started getting inquiries on international press. It just went nuts. What was happening was, is the state GOP was setting up these unofficial ballot drop boxes, but they called them official. And in many cases, they were left unattended. Now, they'll argue that, well, they were never unattended, but we have evidence they were. So, you know, we kind of went back and forth on that. In California, there's, you know, very tight regulations and statutes that require certain things to be in place before you can even install a drop box and the election official manages the pickups. And there's good reasons for that, not, not to mention voter confidence. But we were able to negotiate with the GOP to say, look, you can't call them unofficial. You can't leave them unmanned. That was the main concern. And after that, I was satisfied that it, it was solved. And we were able to get the ballots back and we were able to solve those problems. Now, the state continued an investigation and ultimately didn't do anything with it. The attorney general and the secretary of state continued forward with, with an investigation. But I, I, you know, I think it ended up fine. It was, it was more political dust up, I think, overall. But those are the kinds of things, right? I mean, as election officials, we sit back and we go, okay, everything's going good and this is not good, right? Because you're just waiting for something to hit. In Missouri, you can only bring back a ballot if you are related within the second degree or if you're bringing it back yourself. I'm just trying to imagine what would have happened here if anybody had said, don't worry, I'll just collect your ballot for you because they can't. Is that something, can you do that in California? You can just take anybody's ballot and bring it. Do they? Is that a routine thing where you're used to having just boxes of ballots dropped off by other people? Yeah, it was a couple of years ago that that bill was introduced and I was still the president of our association and I went through the roof because I was trying to get vote centers passed and the optics of unlimited ballot collection or ballot harvesting just was not good. And uh, I lost that battle because the bill was was passed and signed by the governor used to be exactly like Missouri. You had to be in a there had to be a relationship for you to collect a ballot you had to be a sister, brother, roommate, whatever. And then they opened it wide up and said, it can be anybody and it can be unlimited, which means I could knock on your door as a stranger, take your ballot from you and off I go. And that just caused such a flare up because we're in a democratically controlled legislature. The Republicans went through the roof. Ballot harvesting became the issue, central issue when Orange County flipped from red to blue. It's just been troubling. 
I mean, to answer your question, it is a, it's a problem to manage. And I'll tell you why. On the envelope, you're supposed to write your name as a collector and what your relationship is. Now, if you're just a collector, that's the relationship. But the law says you should do this, but if you don't, the election official can't reject the ballot. So <laughs> it's this like crazy window where we have maybe 20% that fill that in, 30%. And so I can't collect data on who these people are. We get people that put you know 200 ballots into a Dropbox. That's the law that's allowed. It's not my favorite law. I've been on, on public record saying that many times. So I don't have a problem telling you that. So with that said, you've had a few years now that occurring, that other than the problems you just described, you know, have you noticed identical signatures on batches of ballots people have dropped off, that kind of thing? You know, some of the things that people are worried about when these ideas come up. Yeah, you know, we're we in the November election, we had a record 1.3 million people use the ballots they received through the mail. And while we saw some small issues and we worked with our district attorney on it, we did not see systemic or, or widespread issues. And I don't use software to do, to do signature matching. It's all done by humans. Many times if ballots come in together, they're able to have them four up on a screen. And so you're kind of you know matching. You might see similar handwriting is I guess what I'm saying to you. And we just didn't see it in widespread issues. Now I think, I think there's more attention focused on this in the media and social media than the realities of it are. I just don't think a lot of people are handing over their ballots, especially during COVID, you know, people knocking on your door. And it's just, we didn't see it in really big numbers. It was more so when they had these kind of, you bring it somewhere, right? You go to the local GOP or whatever, and you deliver your ballot. That was more happening than people collecting them at homes. So you just said you had, over a million folks return mail ballots last year and you do your signature verification with with humans it's not for lack of a better term it's not a it's not automated it's not a computer doing signature match so how how have you scaled that that sounds amazing to me yeah that operation has about 50 agents that are in it um, and they handle the incoming mail dropbox etc on a daily basis and we're able to get through that volume each operator does four up at a time and it moves at a very quick pace. Um, and I've got some pretty experienced folks that have been doing it for years and we have three tiers. So if it gets bounced out of the first tier, it goes into a second review. And then if it gets bounced out of that, it's a final review for a non-match. And in California, the law changed to require us to outreach then to that voter and say, your signature didn't match, would you like to cure it? So there's a fail safe to that you know, also which is in place. Why did you choose to do it that way rather than buy some software program that did some, you know, initial match like I know some jurisdictions have done? Well, I guess my observation of that software was that you're losing the transparency. And I had worked so hard on building transparency in the agency here. I'm one of the few counties that allows challenges and allows people to come in and closely observe. I've built, I think, some good relationships on both sides of the aisle because of that. Now, if I went to a software program, suddenly now I'm saying, okay, 40% of the signatures you can't see because the software picked it up. And I, I think at the end of the day, that has been something that, again, both major parties have appreciated. And I'm not, I'm not suggesting that that you know, software application has issues or problems. I mean, I think there's probably some good ones out there. I don't hold it against my colleagues that use it. 
we've asked a lot of people we've talked to about their 2020 experience and, and different things. And it sounds like you had six, seven years to prepare for the Colorado method and, and vote centers and all of that. And it seems like then that should have meant that you had a fairly smooth experience with COVID. Was it like upheaval or did you kind of feel like all the preparation you'd been doing otherwise fit really well into what you needed to do for COVID? You teed it up really nicely for me because I felt like my, we were, the operation was flipped upside down in March when COVID really started to, you know, gain legs. But all the work we had done prepping for vote centers and this infrastructure, and I hate to use this analogy, it was like we were preparing for a pandemic because it allowed voters to have these experiences where they didn't have to interact with human beings. You know, um, we saw the usage of drop boxes go through the roof. Um, even our mail usage, despite what the president was saying, was high on both sides. We were able to really incorporate especially because we had increased the size, just going to vote centers from a polling place to be able to have a good COVID footprint, you know, to be able to distance our employees and voters. It just, knock on wood, it all went very well. And I give a lot of credit to the fact that we were able to get funding uh, that Congress had allocated on the CARES Act and we were able to get through the state. The timing just was, you know, I wish I had that kind of luck in Vegas because I never do, but the timing was really positive. So yeah, it was, it was a good election for us. And, and we had record turnout. We had 90% turnout in Orange County, by the way, which was the highest turnout in the history of the county with the exception of 1960. And in 1960, it was 90%. We had 89.3% this last election. And keep in mind in 1960, there was 400,000 voters and now we have 1.8 million. So I guess the question I have, at least in the Midwest, uh, it is the case that, you know, people like to, I don't know, not make fun of California, but say, you know, there are all these problems out in California. Um, but it sounds to me, at least in Orange County's case, the statutory structure worked in your benefit last year. You've implemented a number of process improvements over your time there. What would you like the rest of the country to know about how elections are run in California? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to get cut through the white noise a little bit because the voters here in California have adapted to vote by mail in different ways over the years than I certainly Midwest and East Coast, you know, which is heavy polling place operations. And so that was certainly one advantage that we had, like Washington, Oregon, California, et cetera. And despite the volume, you know, counties are moving to, in many cases, these better experiences where we are using technology and leveraging technology and customer service to improve the process. We have to, right? And because I think one of the reasons that California gets a bad rap is because we have so many people in the state that just the volume of, of the throughput of having to manage these elections sometimes gets a bad rap, I think, just because of the, of the number of people you're pushing through. But the reality is that California elections, even despite what you might hear, are run pretty darn well overall. Now we all, you know, it's a human endeavor. There are hiccups, um, but considering the volume, I think it's run pretty well. And I know you guys, I mean, I hear very good things about Missouri. And I hear good things about other Midwestern states. And I think, you know, I heard more about some East Coast states that had issues because they, they were like, what, 95% polling place model trying to transition to this vote by mail usage. I mean, that's 
that's tough in six years, let alone three or four months. I mean, that's crazy. What advice would you have for new clerks that are coming into a position and maybe are looking to make things more voter centric or just change the way that the office handles things? What advice would you have? Be resilient. Don't be discouraged. Look for funding in ways that are unique and creative. Um, Leverage technology in different ways and consider, you don't have to do everything end to end, but consider bringing or managing some pieces of that in-house. Because despite the the challenges you might face, the benefit and the payoff are huge. And one of the things that we have done is measure voter data, voter confidence. We've seen voter confidence go up because the experience has improved. And if you you improve the experience, you're going to get that byproduct and that benefit from that. And so there are advantages to it. I think, and it's in every industry, far too many times, I think some people come in and they say, look, I'm going to be a caretaker. I'm going to do the minimal here. And again, that can happen anywhere. But if you're a type A like me and you can be resilient, go for it. That's what I say. All right. A big thanks to Neil Kelly from Orange County, California, for being our guest today on the podcast. Uh, We hope you all enjoyed it and we hope you tune into another episode of High Turnout, Wide Margins.